Hey, I see you're back for another round of living room therapy. Come on in. Last time, Reed and Paul shared about why they enrolled in a master's program in counseling. Today, Jacqueline will share her reason as well. You know something? I've been wondering why they keep meeting in the living room. Maybe you can find out for me? Anyway, looks like they're ready for you. Go on in and get yourself comfortable. And again, I'm so sorry. Pardon the mess. Well, all right. All right, here we are. Yeah, cue the music. Paul. Jacqueline. Great to see you. All right, let's let's shake out some some nerves, okay? We're uh, if everybody could do a little bit of a shake it out. Yeah, sh- shake it up, baby. <sighs> Definitely shake it up, baby. Just a little bit of uh, me talking about my transition to City U, and yeah, yeah. Why'd you why'd you join? Why'd you come to join us at City I U? I was I had graduated from Central Washington University in Ellensburg. And I was kind of drifting after that. So much of after I graduated high school was, okay, you go to school, you get a job, you get married, you have kids. And once I graduated, I had no idea what I was going to do. So I found myself kind of bumming around. I had two jobs. I thought, okay, I'm going to be a land surveyor. I, I kept going back and forth in my mind as far as what I was going to do. And at the end of the day, I quit both jobs and started to um, I'd go down to this coffee shop. And there was probably about six different people who would meet down there. We'd get a cup of coffee and then we would talk for hours. One of the guys was a librarian at the uh, college. Another guy was a clinical psychologist. Another, uh, uh, there was a a female, she was a college student, and then a couple other guys. And I remember just sitting and having these awesome philosophical existential conversations and uh, just finding a lot of joy from them. Like every day, that that was the thing that gave my life some meaning. There was also, um, I remember talking to this one guy That'll get edited. Um, <laughs> I remember talking to this one guy. He had this long hair. He he was telling me about these demons that he would see, and he had schizophrenia. And I remember feeling kind of paralyzed in talking to him, uh, but thinking to myself after talking to the clinical clinical psychologist how oh my gosh, I could get paid to sit and talk to people and actually feel competent in doing so. Because at that time, I didn't feel competent. I felt like I was just going, oh my gosh, you see demons? That's scary. So yeah, um, I had that idea. I'm going to get paid to talk to people. But I didn't get into Central, and I was really disappointed uh, in that, which ended me uh, moving back to Seattle area. And I applied to City University, and I, like you, read my grades weren't very good either. In my my all those uh, graduate scores you need, I didn't do too well on those. But I got accepted, and it was the first time I really felt like I 
belonged, that I connected with something. Although it was a lot of new things that I hadn't thought about, I, I remember feeling so excited and uh, just at this, the potential of what this could be. And I, I didn't quite know, but I really felt like I was finally on the right track. So that's my story. Yeah. Very did you cool. did you say you were like working as a guy. land surveyor? Uh, I yeah, I was. I worked um, I worked for a land surveyor. I was first just doing regular secretary kind of work at first, and then there was only one woman who was the drafter, so she would teach me. So I actually got to use AutoCAD and start to, you know, we would do like a light lot line adjustments, and I would you know take points and map, and then. Um, just do various mapping kinds of things. And it was really fun. I, and I, I thought for a while that I could do that, but I was stuck in an office a lot. There was just something a little stifling for me. I needed something more engaging. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I really liked that land surveying time. Hmm. Now you're mapping mines, I suppose. <laughs> Very good, yes, mapping mines. Wow. That is true. There's quite a lot of territory inside of mine, isn't there? To me, it's infinite. Yet, there's lot lines and boundaries mm. and uh, dirt takeoffs. Roads, highways, byways. Yeah, you got to balance the, uh, the excavation unless you want to pay big dump fees. <laughs> Probably a few potholes, too, on those roads and the highways and byways. So what was your first impression of City U uh, of our group when we first, when you first got there? I don't really recall now thinking back. Um, there's a couple classes I remember. I specifically remember the professor that uh, Reed was, I think we had to do a, a message board. And Reed had wrote something that she was offended by. And she, do you remember this? I do. Uh, and she brought it to the class and sort of called Reed out and we all didn't agree with her and it became a big point of conflict and I really thought that for me that was the turning point for our group because we all seemed to be on the same page and she was the one who had the issue and yet she you know um came down on Reed pretty hard which none of us seemed to like very well it did bring us together, didn't it? It, it did. But uh, I was thinking about what... Oh, I remember, too, I think... Was it our? Was it Michael who talked about our cohort and how he hadn't really seen... Being the best one the ever? The best one ever. Yeah. Yeah, I think we sort of uh, invited him to say that, and he, he obliged. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh. but, but, Paul, you were in oh. several other cohorts uh, later, and... Well, I, we were, of the other cohorts that I was involved in, yes, I took an extra year to graduate due to my work at Microsoft and just uh, having kids and other reasons. But I do agree we had a very tight cohort. I do think there was good chemistry just when we started doing, you know, dyads and triads with each of us and rotating through. I do feel like we were very open and vulnerable and willing to discuss things. And that essentially led to a connection where each one of us talked about something 
uh, relevant to us and personal to us, and we each got to know each other better uh, through the individual exercises, you know, essentially bore a lot of our souls to each other over time, which essentially f- formed those bonds of relationship w- with each of us. You know, Reed, I, I don't think we knew each other that well at that time, but I I brought up something about uh, my mother dying, and you said something about, oh, sounds like PTSD. I think we really got into some of the deeper stuff in our own lives, and that was the first time I'd really thought that experience had created post-traumatic stress, and I was really uncomfortable with that idea because I had gotten through this very traumatic, difficult situation seemingly unscathed, and yet for you to say that, it actually opened up that old wound just a little bit to realize that it did have a name although I didn't get treated right then it it sort of allowed that ball to get rolling I look at that time period um, during graduate school and I see how important it was for my own healing well the circumstances of her death and your age and oh it was uh you know I don't know if you want to tell the story but it was uh it had to have had a huge impact on a on anyone. When my therapist said, I've never heard of someone giving CPR to their own mother. And I remember just the air leaving the room and finally feeling like someone said what I needed them to say. This weight um, and how much it affected me. And yet just, you know, within a week going back to school and, and just getting back into the swing of things as if it hadn't happened. And yet for years, I really struggled with many different aspects of life. And then to finally see a therapist, at, I know, I think I was mid to late 20s. Uh, for her to say that to me, I just broke down crying. And I was so grateful. And for her to say, I've never heard something like that before. That was really powerful. Yeah, we don't give ourselves credit for what we go through sometimes. And that that's a perfect example of it. I was seeing my therapist when I, after my difficulties back in 06, was worried for the first time about my future and depressed for seemingly no reason. And uh, a dear friend of mine who was in a, a PsyD program, for those who don't, who don't know, uh, a PhD is a is a doctorate of psychology with a, with a research emphasis. And a psychology doctorate is more therapy-based. And so she was in her program, and I was, I don't know, complaining about my childhood or something, and she named it as uh, complex PTSD, which was a pretty new diagnosis back then. It's uh, becoming more established now. And I agree with you, Jacqueline. Having a name for it validated my symptoms and gave me confidence that there was somebody out there who would know what to do with my with the, with, with what my psyche was going through. You mentioned last time about the nervous breakdown. Was that all career-based? Yeah, I'll just tell, I've told the story so many times, and so I don't know if, it, if, if I get better at telling it or worse, but the story goes... <laughs> Narrative therapy. It goes like this. I bounced from job to job to job, had many, many jobs in so many fields, which was blessing and a curse. And I found myself working at a uh, plastic shop, a small family-owned business that made acrylic displays. I got to do all sorts of things in this little company. I got to design the website. I got to call on customers, which my background was sales and marketing, so that was all natural. But I also got to package up the the products. I got to bend and glue and 
um, cut on table saws. And there's this big robotic machine, a CNC, a computer numeric control, something like that. A big old robot that cuts out plastic for these big seafood displays that we sold to a major big box store uh, around the world. And every week I would set up this machine, load a program, install the right bits, do test cuts, and then run a whole crap load of these parts. Week after week, day after day, over and over again, I could do it in my sleep. And one day I forgot how to do it. And I went to my boss and said, would you help me set up this job? And he looked at me like he'd seen a ghost. And um, I had just begun therapy for my depression, even though the rest of my life was wonderful. I mean, I had a, it was a well-paying job, worked with people I loved. It was great family life. Everything was going fine. But something deep inside me said, slam on the brakes, stop selling plastic. And uh, so I was, I was seeing Dr. David Montgomery. He was, he was helping me. And when my boss said, we need, to, we need to maybe think about an exit strategy. Something is wrong here. That's when I entered grad school, met you two. Isn't it funny how your psyche was telling you something and speaking to you and withdrawing energy away from what looked like on the outside, a great job that had a lot of variety, um, and a lot of satisfaction, yet it seems like that part of your journey for your career was just done and then it was on yeah. to something else, a larger calling. Yeah. The psyche knows. It was trying to tell me over all, all the years since 19, probably 67 is when I first started reading psychology books from the 30s uh, there at, at Goodman Middle School. I had turned my back on that calling because... Because I wasn't ready for college was the main reason. And so I thought, I'll just have jobs. And so eventually those jobs were not sustaining me. And when I wasn't listening to the messages from my psyche, it just turned up the volume, sent the symptoms higher. And uh, that's the approach I take with my clients, too, is that symptoms are good. Mm -hmm. They are warning bells. Yeah, your psyche is always commenting on your Mm -hmm. life. Yeah, what a good way to see symptoms. I think of that with emotions too. Fear. We were my friend Kristen and I were talking about fear yesterday and how often it's this we we don't want it. We want to push it away. We want to just feel good again. And I think a lot of times these emotions have such a a rich, complex like wine, this full body flavor as you kind of get past that initial whatever that thing is that you don't like about it as you stick with it and you stick with it and you you give it space and you try to understand it there really is such a a 3d or even 4d dynamic to these emotions that i think kind of like what you're talking about with the symptoms with emotions too they're there to tell you something emotions are gifts right they're telling you when something's wrong there's a famous book about fear since you bought fear up it's called the gift of fear Hmm. by i think it's gavin de becker and it's an incredible book about listening to your fears and actually that your fear is actually this system that gives you warnings and other things when mm-hmm. bad things are going to happen so you really should pay attention to it so but that's just one example of your uh, emotional system giving yeah. you feedback and the more you suppress an emotion the stronger it gets usually with clients i use the yeah. image of a beach ball and as you you know, you've got a big blown up beach ball and you're pushing it under the water and these are these emotions and you're saying, no, I don't like this one. I don't want this one. You just push it a little bit further and, and what's it eventually do? Pops back up. 
That's right. Yep. I say it like repressed feelings never die. They come back in uglier ways, and mm-hmm. sometimes they come back as symptoms. Jung taught that uh, you can be successful suppressing an emotion, but it will come back up in a surprising way somewhere mm. else. Can we go on to the next topic? Please do. Okay, so I kind of told you two initially why I wanted to do this podcast, but I'd like to hear the why for you guys. So for me, it was an opportunity to uh, be with two of my closest, dearest friends. And I think about all the deep, rich, meaningful conversations that we've had. And for me, the intellectual opportunity to engage with people who have very diverse viewpoints than mine is just incredible for me. And I really feel like it's a rich intimate experience and I know that's one of my key needs uh, you know the things that I would crawl over broken glass for in some ways to get my needs met one of my needs is actually to, to learn something new to have a, a rich deep friendships and have intimate conversations and so having conversations with each one of you together uh, both uh, collectively and individually is a rich meaningful part of my life and having those great conversations that are really stimulating and deep no holds barred very often uh, controversial, willing to go deep on a topic, willing to challenge me, willing not to just be superficial is a hugely positive part of my life that makes it rich and meaningful, makes it worth living. You touched me. Well, I couldn't agree more with the conversation part of it, with the learning part, with the intimacy part. You two are the siblings that I didn't have. I had different siblings, uh, but you are are my true brother and sister uh, in a in a very different way from the ones I was born into. And so I would do this without recording it. Uh, why record it? Why share it? Uh, that That is something I, I would like to explore and discover. Uh, it was your idea, Jacqueline, and I wanted to support that for you and see where it leads. Yeah, me too. I'm really looking forward to seeing where this goes. I really like to create. Uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of insecure in creating, but I'm at a point in my life that I just feel that either I'm going to do it or or I'm going to deny that part of myself, and I don't want to, you know? And I, I want to have a reason to be able to spend time with you two. I want to make that intentional. I want to continue what we've already created, and I, I feel like there's been times I haven't been very present, and I felt guilty about that. But having you two, even when I wasn't available, Mm. has been such a gift. And I wanted, I'll just say this lastly, it was before we were going to meet and I was feeling a little bit tired and I was feeling just whatever. And then I got down here and I started talking to Paul and I just like felt instantly better. I mean, just instantly. And then you came on, Reed, and you're a little bit late and I'm going, God. And then, then I see your face and it's just like everything melts away and all of the expectations and all of the things like I, I just don't care anymore. And I just enjoy being with you too. So that's why I'm here. <laughs> mm, sweet words. Be- sweet words. Beautiful. Yeah. So you're honoring your muse and you're abiding with a couple of people who love you. Indeed. Indeed. And we're all so different. Isn't that just so incredible? You know, that, that picture of us in front of that big Joshua tree. It really, it really captures who we are, doesn't it? It does. I hope everybody gets to see that. I do, too. I do, too. It's a classic. And we're we're going to New Jersey, and we're going to take another picture like that in front of the... uh, 
A bagel shop? What, whatever they have in New Jersey. Pizza joint? Uh, a garbage dump with some corpses. Oh, right, that's the me- that's the Meadowlands, right? So yeah. You tell me. Maybe, Isn't that where you dump a yeah. body, is the Meadowlands? Well, Jimmy Hoffa might be in there for all I know. All so. right. You know, lots of things fall off trucks in New Jersey, too. Yeah, well, I could use a new VCR. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think they make those anymore, Reed. I think you have to go to the thrift <laughs> shop for that one. Uh, but I demand a new one. <laughs> we are going to be having someone come, come over. Come over to the living room? Coming over to the living room. She's just going to be popping in an old friend from grad school. I got to talk to her on the phone the other day, and she's just going to pop in. So I hope you two are ready to get reacquainted okay. and see what she's been up to. Okay. Hey again. I'll see you out. Did you enjoy yourself? I sure do hope so. On behalf of Reed, Jacqueline, and Paul, I want to thank you for your time. I've heard there's going to be some pretty awesome folks stopping by. For more information, check out Living Room Therapy on Facebook or Instagram. And we hope to see you soon.